0: All right, again, Happy Mother's Day to all you wonderful mothers. It truly is a blessing to have you and be a part of your life, and we do truly thank God for His gift to us of you. Before you leave this morning, ladies, we had good intentions. But Mother's Day crept up on us (laughs) very fast-like. So I have a small offering in honor of you. So please come get you a flower, ladies. Come get you a flower before you leave. Of course, I have to have a picture. So, oh, Janet said George made all these cupcakes <laughs> <laughs> and that you don't have to be just a lady or a mother to get one. She made cupcakes for everybody Aww. for Mother's Day. Aww. So you did it, right? Yeah, you know he did it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they're up here on the front also, so we are definitely looking forward to so I hope y'all have big plans today. It's Supposed to rain, storm this evening, and if anybody wants to go to work for me tonight, I will. I uh, would be glad for you too. We're going to be back this morning in Philippians. I just had it. chapter 3 and I want to read this morning I want to focus this morning on verses 12 through 16 verses 12 through 16 but first let's go to the Lord in prayer Heavenly Father we come to you this morning as we celebrate Mother's Day and Lord we truly give you the honor and praise for the mothers that you've given us for the godly women that you've placed in our lives and in our church Lord, we thank You for that blessing and that gift. Lord, may they be celebrated today at home and in their families. And may they truly be lifted up as the gift that You've, been, you've given us in them. We just thank You and praise You, Lord. We just ask that You continue to work in those that are, can't be here in their circumstances. Lord, draw near to them. Lord, we exalt You and we praise You this morning. And we thank you for the, the words and the scriptures that we're going to seek out and, and study this morning. We ask that you just plant a seed in our heart, Lord, and, and open our eyes that we may see and our ears that we may hear what you have to say to us this morning. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Philippians chapter 3. And I'm going to start in 12. Like I say, we're going to go through 12 through 16. Okay? Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press, up, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Now, this morning we're looking at Paul, and he's. We're going to compare, or Paul is using a comparison to an athlete. Okay, back then it was. I don't know if it was running a foot race. You know, he he's accustomed to the to the athletics of Rome. I don't. It may have been chariot races. It may have been a foot race, but Paul is co- comparing he, himself and and where he's at right here as an, to, an, to an athlete, okay? And, you know, our Christian walk really is a race. Sometimes, well, it's more of a marathon than a sprint, right? But when we compare our Christian walk alongside a race... It really, really makes sense. It really is eye-opening at how close and parallel the two are. Uh, Paul is giving his spiritual biography here. His past, his present, and the future in in this chapter. In this section, we see Paul the athlete and his spiritual vigor. You know, I was thinking about my spiritual vigor. Sometimes it's not... Very vigorous, <laughs> is it? Is yours? Don't you have slumps? And I think about a batter that that you know that plays baseball. They have they they have hitting slumps. Well, I'm gonna tell you something. I have Christian walk slumps sometimes. I, I I can't hit the ball. I I get out of whack, and and I'm just in a kind of a funk. But God has made provisions to get us out of that. God has made a means for us to, to come up out of those slumps and, and, and be picked up and raised up and get back on track. Uh, he talks here about pressing forward toward the finish line of the Christian race. He is exercising his spiritual mind, what we've been talking about through this whole section. It is so important that, that we exercise our spiritual mind. It's not enough that we get up and come to church on Sunday and leave it here. It's not enough that you come listen to me bark for 45 minutes and walk away and do nothing with it. I'm not saying you should go home and 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 just all week study what I've talked about or or the points that I've made. But but have yourself a, a spiritual diet each week on the Word of God. That's how we renew our spiritual mind. He, <clears throat> he's looking at things on earth from God's point of view. And in order to look at things on earth from God's point of view, point of view we must feed that spiritual mind. That's where we lose it. If you don't feed it, it doesn't grow. It, it doesn't stay at the forefront of your thoughts. I promise you this, if, if you allow the things of this world to, to, to... If you feed on those things, they'll stay at the forefront of your mind. Amen? You don't even have to work at it, do you? But uh, truthfully, we got to work at this. Why? Because we're separated by, from... this. This flesh is separated from God, from the fall. That's why it's such a chore for us. Because everything about this old nature... wants wants to gravitate back toward the world and the things of this world. But but he is is looking at the things of this world from God's point of view. And as a result, he's not upset about the circumstances that he's in. That's how we learn to deal with the circumstances that we're in. When, When we can look at them through God's point of view, then we can have that joy that we've been talking about. Then we can see The things of God the rewards of God what he's doing in our life through those circumstances and we can see them from his point of view he's not worried about the things that are around him before him or behind him because he has the right viewpoint on it because we are children of God we have a responsibility listen to this we have a responsibility Of running the race and achieving the goals that God has set forth for each and every one of us in our walk. Mm, Yeah. Mm. Did you realize that each of us have a different set of goals that he set forth for us? Well, we have a responsibility to achieve those goals. That's why that, that's why he's redeemed us out and he set us he set us apart. Each believer is on a track. You and I all think about a think about the track down at the school or wherever any track on the Olympics. Each one of us are on a track. Each one of us have a different lane. In which each one of us are going to run. Now, we've already talked that God's given each of us a different measure of grace. I think of that as speed. We all run at a different pace. Y'all much faster than me. I'm sure. But but we're all on this track. And we've all been given given this this pace, that measure of grace in our walk. But the finish line is still at the same place for every one of us. But, but, but due to that measure of grace that He's placed on each of our life, we're going to be at different points in that track at different times, aren't we? And you know what? If we achieve those points in that track in which God has set those goals, it's perfect. It doesn't matter that, that Jerry got to the finish line before I did. Or that his pace is much faster than mine. If I achieve those goals, those marks on the track in my race that God has set forth for me to, to, to hit, you know, you've seen, you've seen marathon runners or whatever, and there'll be somebody standing at points in the track with a stopwatch. You ever seen that? And, and before they run the race... They have said that, hey, at one minute and 34 seconds, I need to be at X spot. That's what I liken this to. God has set out a plan for my life and my track. And if I am responsible and obedient to to, to what He's laid out for me in between each point and I hit each mark, I've achieved those goals. So each one of us are running a race. So, but what do we want to do? We want to get caught up with how fast Chad is or where Chad's at on his line. You know, he's done lap me. That, that's how we want to compare it to each other. And we forget that God has uniquely, uniquely, and perfectly and sovereignly. Give us our own race to run. It doesn't matter what anybody else... But we, we uh, this old nature wants to compare. This old nature wants to compare where everybody else is to where I'm at. Instead of j- me just worrying about me and making sure that I'm at- obtaining and achieving the marks that God set for me. So very important. So very important. 1 Corinthians 3... 11 through 15, says this. Hold on, did I Yeah. 1 Corinthians uh, 3, 11 through 15 says this. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw... Each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. God has set forth for each of us rewards if we achieve those goals. Rewards. And we're going to see here later on what happens if, if we don't achieve those awards. But but He has set in our walk, each one of us, milestones or marks that, that we must strive and work to achieve. Okay? Now how do we work? You, preacher, you're getting into works. Be patient. All right. The first point I want to make is about dissatisfaction. (coughs) Dissatisfaction. He says, not as though have I already attained. In other words, he is dissatisfied with with where he's at in his walk. It is healthy. Now, there's a line here, okay? Because you've you've heard me time and time again say, you need to be content where you are in your walk. That is... True, but it is healthy for us to be dissatisfied with our own nature and the things of the, the way we view and see this world as it pertains to our walk. Does that make sense? We should have a healthy dissatisfaction with this old man in order that we continue to make progress. Now, this 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 we can get off on a whole other trail here. We're, go, we're going to talk about it more later, but so I won't get into it. But the mature Christian honestly evaluates daily themselves and strives to get better. If, if we don't ever take account, like we talked about here a week or so ago, of ourselves would we ever change? If we don't ever measure our attitudes of our life up against the Word of God, would we ever change probably? I don't think so. So it's critical that, that to a certain extent we remain dissatisfied with where we're at in order that we, we are motivated and we push ourselves to, to seek more read more on God's Word. Strive to, to have better attitudes. Attitudes like Jesus. Emulate Jesus and His walk. It's critical in order for us to, to, to progress. He was, he was dissatisfied. Paul here is dissatisfied with where he's at. But he was completely satisfied with Jesus. There's a big difference. He was completely satisfied with Jesus. A sanctified dissatisfaction is the first essential in progress in the Christian Christian race. It it avoids complacency. Have you ever gotten complacent in your walk? I have. Have Have you ever had the thought, well, I'm just I'm just where I am. I'm just gonna maintain where I'm at until God returns or takes me home. It's the wrong attitude to have. I don't care if you're one or a hundred and one. We should have a healthy dissatisfaction with where we're at. It also, again, like I talked about a while ago lends to us comparing ourselves where I'm at in my walk to where Cindy or Janet or whoever else is in their walk, which we need to stay away from. It's unhealthy for us to do that. Stay focused on yourself. Continue to evaluate yourself. Continue to look at, are my attitudes correct according to the Word of God toward these set of circumstances or toward these things or toward these people? It also feeds pride. Think about that for a minute. You have to be careful when 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 you when you stop and you say, "Well, huh, look at Linda. I'm doing pretty good." Huh. She can't she can't get nothing right. I, I, how many times have have you know, so what starts happening inside of me? I start feeling pretty good about myself. Don't I? I think? And I, you know, you know, we're a mess. But it's real easy for for when we start comparing ourselves and looking at each other and and figure trying to figure out where where we're at in that race. And and maybe you think you're way down the track further than somebody else. The moment we start doing that, old oh, pride starts starts welling up. And I don't know about you, but the hardest thing for me to get control of in my life is pride. I'm betting it is, you too. So, it's a very fine line, isn't it? It's a very fine line that we have a healthy dissatisfaction and that we remain with a godly mind and a godly view on our, on our walk. And that our focus is in the right place. Instead of comparing ourselves to one another, we should be comparing ourselves to who? Jesus. We don't want to do that, do we? That's the the last person I want to compare myself to. But the truth of the matter is that's exactly who we should be comparing ourselves to. That's exactly who I should line my attitudes up against. That's exactly who who I should emulate and try to be like. Self-evaluation, again, can be a dangerous thing. Number one, it can, we, it can make ourselves think that we're better than we are. Or, it can make ourselves think we're worse than we are. There again is a very, very fine line. And I'm going to tell you something. In and of yourself, you'll get it wrong every time. But what we have to do again is take and line our attitudes and our our motives and, and our walk up against Scripture. And be patient and listen for the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us. Because He will. If we're listening, huh, it may be while we're weed eating. Maybe while we're mowing. Maybe while we're planting flowers. But if if, if we're intensely in tune to listening for the Holy, Holy Spirit, He will speak to us. He will guide us. He, He's promised to, hasn't he? He was given to us to live inside of us and speak to us. Psalms 42:2 says this. Y'all, this is gonna sound familiar. We have we sing a song about it. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my uh, I think I, I, think I typed that wrong. No, maybe not. As the deer pants for the brooks, water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God, when shall I come and appear before you, God? Now think about that. If we are in the right place in our race, if we are responsible to the walk that God has laid before us, we should be exactly doing right there what He said. We should be longing, seeking, Striving after God. If we're doing those things and we're responsible to the steps that He's taken, uh, given us to take in our race, we're hitting the mark. We're achieving the goals. And in the end, we can see that reward in what, what He's talking about here. Second thing He's talking about here is direction. 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 The unsafe person, listen to this, the unsafe person is controlled by the past. Now, let me ask you a question here. And don't raise your hand because I don't want to see. How many of you dwell on the past more than you, you do the future? I would venture I would to guess, as like myself, a lot of us to live in the past? Rehash the past? We shouldn't do that. We should be focused on the future. Especially being a child of God. Because I don't know about you, maybe your past looks different than mine. Mine's ugly. Yours may look different than what mine looks, but My past is ugly. But I'll be doing something or or thinking about something or maybe reading my Bible and I'll I'll think about an attitude or a mistake or or where I've stumbled and I'll get to dwelling on the past. And And He tells us here, leave that alone. It's behind you. It's behind you. But it says the unsafe person is controlled by the past. The Christian who's running the race looks toward the future. He's looking for the next mark. He's open and and willing to receive the the direction of the Holy Spirit for his life to achieve the next mark. He doesn't hit the, the mark that he's just achieved and then quit. But instead, he's eager and, and hungry for that manna that leads him to the next mark on the track. The future. Psalm At least the believer should be future-oriented. At least. Forgetting those things which are behind, he said. "Where did What did he say? Uh... I press forward the goal for the prize, the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. In other words, he's saying here, to be a mature Christian, you can't live in the past. But instead, we got to be looking to the future. He says, and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more in Hebrews 10.17 says then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more forgetting those things which are behind means that we break the power of the past by living for the future you, do you understand that the things of your past are like chains and weights in your life have you ever been weighted down by those things i have let them go if you've, been, if, you've, if you've repented of them and been forgiven of them, God's not holding them against you. It's just you. It's just you. Quit dwelling on the past and start looking to the future. The future is much brighter. I promise. You say, well, look around in this old world. I'm not talking about this world. <coughs> I'm talking about the things to come eternally. That's the future that I'm I'm focused on. That's that's the things that matter to me. This down here is a lost cause. This down here is a lost cause. I'm dwelling on Beulah land. Not, Not here. Get focused on the future. Let the old chains and weights of your past go. Break them loose because they're holding you back. They're weighting you down. The next thing is determination who doesn't it take determination to be a child of God I lack it. I don't know about you but I lack determination there's so many times especially when it comes to dealing with people that we've already talked about that I would just like to go crawl in a corner and be a hermit but it takes determination It takes getting up every morning and saying, I'm going to put my best foot forward. I'm going to seek God. I'm I'm going to have a healthy prayer life. I'm going to feed on the Word of God. No matter what Satan throws in my way today, I'm going to be determined to walk with God today. I'm going to tell you, don't take a bigger bite than today. Because it doesn't work. Don't try to bite a whole week. Just get today. Some of us may even need to go hour by hour. I'm going to tell you, I have to, some, some days I have to remind myself three or four times a day. Hey, you're not, you, you're not doing too good today. You act like a worldly. I do it. I'm telling you, I do it. And, and, and those times and when I realize that, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Just like He will you, but you've got to be listening for Him. But it takes determination. Paul says, I press. I press. That takes some action, doesn't it? To press. I think about a headwind. You ever been, you ever been walking or outside in the wind? I mean, maybe before a storm, and, and sometimes you've got to lean into the wind. That's to me, that's like what the Christian walk is, sometimes. I have, to, I, I have to press into that. I have, to, I have to be forceful with myself. To engage myself. To create action in myself to do something. That, that, that works on myself. That deals with an attitude in myself or a sin in my life. I press means I follow after. I follow after Jesus. I don't follow her after Carrie. I don't follow her after Felicia. I follow her after Jesus. The best thing we can do as children of God is forget about everybody else and where they're at. Oh, but our own nature. We're a bunch of busybodies. Aren't we? Meddling in somebody else's business. Meddling in their walk. I know, I I mean, I'm speaking of myself. But he says, I press. The Christian running the race with a spiritual mind realizes that God must work in him if he is going to win the race. You can't do this all yourself. So don't try. And there are those of us out there that are trying to do it all ourselves just like you can't get saved by yourself. It takes God working in us. That's why He's got those marks on the track. Because he's, he's doing the work the whole time you're running that quarter mile. And the moment that you hit that mark, He's going to have completed the work that's in you in that quarter mile or however long it is. But but this on nature, we're so independent... <coughs> And prideful that, that we think we can do we can do all that work ourselves. When we can't. The whole time we're we're trying to do it ourselves, we're running backwards on the track. But we we lose sight of, 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 of God doing the work inside of us and through us to get us ready to hit the mark. Preparing us to achieve the goal. Instead, we just take off running, don't we? And all the time, we're running backwards. Determination. Determination. It takes determination. John 15, 5 says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, uh, he who abides in me, are you abiding in God? Or are you abiding in the world? He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Not something, not a little thing, not every now and then a thing, nothing. He who abides in me. We fail right there, don't we? Abides means stays. Doesn't mean come visit. Abides. You stay inside that place. And if you abide in Him, guess what? He's going to abide in you. Oh, what a lovely relationship. And then, you can produce the fruit that gets you to the mark on the track. But until you have that lovely relationship where He he abides in you and you abide in Him, you're running against the headwind. Because the fruit's not going to be produced in your spiritual life to achieve the goal that's been set forth on the track. 1 Timothy 4, 7-8 through eight says this, But reject profane... Oh, I may have jumped ahead. Hold on. Uh... No, I didn't. 1 okay. Timothy 4, 7-8 through eight says this, But reject profane and old wise uh, fables and exercise yourselves toward godliness. We, we make light of that exercise, don't we? It's so easy. If you don't leave here with anything else today, I want you to leave here with this. That... that that your walk of faith is an exercise of faith. Just like you have to force yourself, not that, well, I sure don't, I need to, but not that I get up and exercise every day. But but think about it. Doesn't, doesn't it take such effort to get up and, and go exercise? It's like pulling teeth for me. The times in my life that I've done it. I need to, I know. Tonight. I'm starting my diet tonight. <laughs> but but your walk is an exercise. You have to force yourself to partake in that exercise. And and, and we're so bad at it. But it's says, but, but reject profane and old wise fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. See, godly exercise is profitable for all things. Therefore, while we're running that race and that walk, I mean that that work that God's doing in us. It's taking place and we're exercising the evaluation of ourselves and we're, we're determined and we're not, we're not satisfied with where we're at. That's all that godliness exercise. We're feeding on God's Word. We have a, a healthy prayer life. All that is encompassed in that godly exercise. But we have to force ourselves to exercise that way. And if we don't exercise that way, Let me ask you this. Let's say, how many runners do you know that don't ever get up and go run and then they just go show up at the race, enter the race, and they go win? None. None. But instead, what do they do? They train all the time. The Christian walk is just like that. We must train daily, exercise daily in our faith and in our walk with God in order to achieve the finish line. See, I'm exercising. (laughs) The last one is discipline. Discipline. It takes discipline. I don't know how about you, but I'm not a very disciplined person. I'm I'm not a disciplined father. I'm not a disciplined employee. I'm not a disciplined husband. And I'm sure... Poor at being a disciplined Christian, but it, it, it's something that we must bring to the forefront of our mind and think about it and and work toward and be determined against, and that is to be disciplined. it, it is so important that you know I like to think of routines, and and I'm very unorganized. My wife will tell you she is a ODC, what are you? OCD. To the hill. And we drive her crazy because she's the only one in the house that way. But when you think about someone like that, they're very disciplined because everything goes in a certain spot. Everything has its place. Everything has an order. They love routines. And the disciplined Christian should have a routine. I'm not saying you have to. But in order for me to to be disciplined in in my walk, I have to... I have to set marks and timelines and, and specific instances where I'm going to feed on God's Word. I'm going I'm to have prayer. I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. We must, in, in the same sense, have the discipline to to. To be open and, and, and listening for the Holy Spirit to, to be dwelling and, and talking and speaking with us so that when the about the time that we get ready to make a mistake, we hear his voice. So, so we hear that correctiveness that he can bring to us. And we don't get out of line. Be disciplined to listen for the Holy Spirit. Be disciplined to seek Him. Be disciplined to to enter into a daily relationship where we just meditate on Him, where we just praise and worship Him. Discipline. It takes discipline to be a Christian. And with all the outside influences that we live in, it encourages us to be what undisciplined very undisciplined because there's all kinds of distractions being thrown at us aren't there all kinds of things to to draw us away from that disciplined christian lifestyle in which in which we have a walk that we that we should be our main focus now there are things in this life that play And in this world that we live in, and in your daily lives, that are essential to you thriving and being successful. But we still must remain disciplined in in putting God and our relationship and our walk and our place in that race first. It can't be on the back burner. It's got to be the number one priority in our life. And if we're not disciplined, it won't be. It won't be the number one priority. It's not enough to run hard and win the race. We also must obey the rules. There's rules and everything in there. Track, the, the track athlete lines up and there's a, there's a certain set of rules. Don't leave for the gun start. That'll be a false start. Don't get out of your lane. Don't touch somebody on either side of you. We too have rules in our walk and in our race that we must be in tune to and that what we, we must respect and achieve and honor in order for us to win our race. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.5 says, And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he a- competes according to the rules. God has established us in a, a set of rules. Hadn't He? We must honor and obey those rules. Romans 14, 10-12 says this, But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account to himself to God. How many times... You seen you seen somebody in the race, and and they think they were fouled, whatever competition it may be, and and they plead to the judge. I think about that old guy that used to uh, be the tennis. Uh, every time you saw him on TV, he was screaming at the judge. Who? Huh? John McEnroe. It didn't matter if he was winning or what. There was something the judge was always, there was always something he had to plead with the judge or argue with the judge about. Same thing goes on in basketball or football. God is our judge. God is the one that makes the rules. We all are going to have to give an account before the righteous judge of whether we followed his rules. Whether we did what he laid out for us to do. And I'm going to promise you this. You're not going to be like Jam, John McEnroe and be able to argue with him. It's going to be done. Same thing applies... We want to sit around and judge everybody else in their wall. Don't we? I, I don't... He didn't tattoo on me anywhere, judge. In fact, He tells me not to judge, doesn't He? But we fall into that trap, don't we? But each and every one of us are going to give an account to the one righteous judge. And it says that everyone is going to bow and confess that what? He's Lord. (laughs) He's Lord. End of story. The one and only judge. Bible history is filled with people who began their race with great success but failed at the end because they disregarded God's rules. Here's the thing. They didn't lose their salvation. They just lost their rewards. They didn't lose their salvation. If they were truly chosen, they can't lose it, can they? But you can lose your reward. It's critically important that we honor and follow God's rules. The, the, The laws and rules that He set out for us in this life. Be obedient. Because there's great rewards. Each of us have a different reward in heaven. Each of us have a different reward waiting on us in heaven. But if we're not obedient and follow the rules, we can lose that reward. It's not worth it. And there's not going to be any arguing with God about it or or pleading and and this, that, and the other and trying to change His mind because His mind don't change. 1 Corinthians 3.15 says that very thing we read earlier at the very bottom. It says, If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. Reward. But he himself will be saved. Yet so as through fire. In other words, it's going to be a fiery trip. Going to be a lot of correction going on. Going to be a bumpy road. Not going to be a pleasant trip. But praise the Lord you'll still get there. Praise the Lord, you'll still get there. But I, I urge you this morning to be obedient so that you don't lose your reward. Rewards like you and I can't even wrap our mind around. I don't know what they are. I don't even care because I know that anything eternal in heaven is 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 greater than 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 mind or mouth can put words to. We can't even begin to 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 think in those realms. I want to achieve it. I want to I want to end at the finish line. I want to hit the mark at the time that God has me appointed to hit it. I want to I I, I want to be there. And be able to hear those words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Woo! Gives me chill, Bob. Gives me chill, Bob. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the example in <coughs> Paul. We thank You that You've laid out a clear and perfect example in Jesus. Of what we are supposed to be, we thank you for your mercy and your grace to to save a wretched bunch of folks like us that deserve to go to hell, that deserve nothing but hell. But because of your love and mercy and grace, you put Jesus on the cross because we couldn't own up to anything that would match up to earning our way into heaven. We praise you and give you honor and glory. I ask that you just protect this group of people, lead the blood of Jesus over them those that couldn't be here this morning. Lord, I ask that you just be with them, comfort them, heal them if your will be done. These things I ask in Jesus name, Amen.